Football is back in Jacksonville as we are ready to kick off the very first week of Jacksonville Jaguars training camp. Welcome back to Locked On Jaguars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Zach Goodall. I am joined by my co-host, Chris Thornton, who you can follow on Twitter, at Misto Christopho. Chris, as always, say what's up to the people. and uh as for my twitter you can throw me a follow at zach underscore goodall as well as prioritize following the locked on jaguars page at locked on jaguars you are specifically going to want to follow all three accounts throughout this week as we are going to be reporting from training camp we're, we're thinking every day we think we should be there at least have one of us at camp every day throughout the open practices um probably both of us so be sure to check out all the pages. We will have as much content up there as possible, as well as, of course, throw the podcast a subscription on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you can find podcasts. We're there. We'll have podcasts out pretty much every day, recapping what we saw at camp, um, getting as much content news out there as possible, and further analyzing all of our stuff, all of our content at LockedOnJaguars.com. So follow, subscribe, bookmark doesn't have to be in that order but you know what i mean <laughs> we're so, not at every day of training camp i consider us failures i i do too i do too buddy <laughs> well we'll go ahead and get into today's news and today's previews news and previews for jacksonville jaguars 2018 training camp it starts with the news um our last pod we talked about dante fowler jr being handed his one game suspension for his battery incident in 2017, um, and I, I guess to make matters worse, he, uh, his name's in the news again. Uh, not that he's in trouble this time, per se, but he has been placed, as well as tight end David Greenwich, who spent last year on the Jaguars practice squad, on the physically unable to perform list, also known as the PUP list, for people that like acronyms. PUP stuff. Uh, pup stuff. So... Both injuries are undisclosed. And this this reporting coming from Mike Kay of First Coast News, a good friend of the podcast. Um, it was actually, it came up, I think, yesterday, two days ago, that Fowler was going to be placed on the pup list, but there was really no further details. Um, this comes up as an official report per a source to Mike Kay um, that Fowler will be on the pup list as well as Greenwich. Um, Kay followed that up with, letting everyone know to keep this in mind, there are about 60 players returning on Wednesday and that the list could be even bigger by midweek. But as of right now, it is just Fowler and Greenwich. Um, Greenwich was likely battling for the last tight end spot or as a special teamer. Um, He still obviously will be, but this hurts his ability to compete. So we'll see if this dramatically affects his case at all. Um, And we're going to be breaking down all the positions that we think there could be battles at, even depth battles um, as this show goes on, tight end being one of them. So I'm sure we'll circle back around to David Greenwich. But for Fowler, you know, he had bad news the other day, and here comes some bad news yet again. Yeah, it definitely wasn't the uh, the one-two combo that you want going into camp. Uh, it was a little sus- – I think I would say I was a little <laughs> suspicious when – this suspension came out, and then immediately after, he was physically unable to perform. Uh, I doubt there's anything that links the two together, but, you know, just 
not always uh it's always a little fishy when news like that comes hand in hand definitely um and i'm sure we'll find out a little bit more throughout the week the team has always been kind of quiet on the injury front um Fowler, however, is scheduled to be on the podium for the first open day of training camp, that being Thursday. Um, So I'm sure questions will be asked, and we'll see if there will be any answers given from Fowler or the team by that point in the week. Um, But like I said, that should move us into breaking down each position group battle. So coming up next, we'll start on offense. This episode is sponsored by Core Essentials. That's K-O-R-E, Core Essentials, makes the best belt you'll ever own. What makes Core track belts so awesome? No belt holes. That's right. Instead, their belt holes, their belts use a hidden track in the back of the belt with over 40 size points to choose from. Ever wonder why your pants slip and turn that waistline into a gut? Every day as you work, walk, eat, and play, your waist size fluctuates in and out just a little at a time. The core track belt adjusts to match your waist exactly. Each point on the core track belt is just a quarter inch apart. That simple, small innovation, you get a precise, steady, and comfortable fit every time you put it on. Removing or adjusting the track belt is, is, is simple. Pinch the small tab under the buckle. Core's patented design also makes it easy to remove the buckle or swap styles. Core track belts ship one size to fit every waist from 24 to 44 inches with an XL belt that goes up to 54 inches. You adjust the size yourself using the easy guide. Core offers a full line of fashion belts including classic double stitched with full grain leather and smooth belts with no stitching as well as gun belts for concealed carry. They also offer a stylish assortment of buckle faces made using solid stainless steel and high grade zinc alloys. Core's men's belt carry a 30-day money-back guarantee and a full one-year warranty for all defects, unusual wear, or breakage. So feel confident when you shop and know that you're covered. But trust me, you're going to love it and want to go get rid of all of your other belts. Visit coreessentials.com to learn more and get your own core track belt to see firsthand why it's the best belt you'll ever own. Seriously, once you go core track, you'll never go back. And we've got a special offer for our listeners. Save 10% on your order when you use the code LOCKEDON at checkout. That's LOCKEDON at checkout. That's CORE with a K, coreessentials.com. And use the code LOCKEDON to save 10% on, off your order. So looking forward to training camp. And that excites me so much to say it does kick off in three days. I am excited. Football is back in Jack's. Um, We're going to start looking at position battles on both sides of the ball. Now, unlike years past where the Jaguars roster was much less talented, um, (laughs) much less set, um, there aren't too many interesting like camp battles like, oh, who's going to win the quarterback battle, Blake Bortles or Chad Henney? Or, you know, stuff like that, like the the news, like the storylines, like what people are really looking for. That's not happening as much with this team being as good as it is. However, there's definitely some spots that you can look at and say, well, there's a battle here. Oh, it'll be interesting how this plays out. Um, On offense, we had a couple written down. Chris had them set up. Um, Right guard is definitely a big one. Um, How the depth chart at receiver, not necessarily like the battle for who will make the roster, except for the last receiver spot uh, is up for grabs. 
but more so just how that actual part of the depth chart will shake out because no one has any idea how rece- the receivers are going to be played this year, like at all. Um, then the tight end depth spots, uh, just some depth places around the roster. So, Chris, I'll let you go ahead and uh, kick it off. Well, I'll lead off with probably the least important uh, battle spot, and that being the backup quarterback spot. Uh, we have a few choices here. We have Cody Kessler, who the Jaguars traded for from the Browns early in the offseason. Uh, we have Tanner Lee, who the Jaguars drafted this past year in the NFL draft. So could it be just Kessler backing up Bortles? Uh, could it be Kessler and Lee? Or the really far-off option being just Lee? Uh, I'm leaning towards it being Blake Bortles, Cody Kessler, as the quarterbacks on the roster to start the season. I would agree. Um, I was not a fan of the Tanner Lee selection, like at all. Um, Chris wasn't summed up pretty well at the senior bowl. Yeah, there was, um, there was a tweet that came out around the senior bowl from a buddy of mine, uh, four verts, Charles McDonald, part of SB nation's, um, news desk team. He was at the senior bowl and Chris knows this from experience. You could just be kind of sitting around the Senior Bowl stands watching practice, and then all of a sudden, John Elway will be sitting right next to you. <laughs> or Jerry Jones in Charles' situation. And Chris do, you, Chris, do you have all the details of the story? It was pretty much like a Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is sitting. Typical Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones <laughs> is sitting next to Charles. Uh, I forget where, but. Basically, Tanner Lee trots out onto the field, and Jerry Jones drops the line. Uh, I'm not sure if this is the exact quote. Along the lines of, oh, here comes the turnover machine. (laughs) (laughs) And then the Jaguars then proceeded to draft this turnover machine in the NFL draft. Oh, well, you you missed the funny part of, of the story. This part I remember. Jerry Jones said that about the turnover machine, and then what happened on Tanner Lee's next throw? He threw an interception, and Jerry Jones, I'm pretty sure Chuck said he had like an unlit cigar that he just kind of stuck in his mouth, looked over at Charles, and walked away. (laughs) (laughs) So that is our source of Tanner Lee humor for the day. Um, I don't even know if he's a practice squad guy. I mean, they like his arm talent, so I figure that he could be. Um, I don't know if he'd be a hot commodity on the waiver wire. So... I guess they could keep him as a third arm on the team, just put him on the practice squad if he doesn't make it through camp. Um, however, I do think Kessler is solid. He is kind of he fits the West Coasty, you know, short, accurate throw type of thing that they seem to want out of Bortles last year that I think they're going to try and grow on um, this upcoming year. And, you know, he didn't really get too much of a chance in Cleveland and when he did, it wasn't great by any means, like at all. It's not something you would really hang your hat on, but considering what he had around him, he he wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. He was just he was just decent. Like he was fine. So uh, I'll be curious to see how both of those guys look behind Bortles during camp. But I would put my money on it being Kessler being the backup to Blake. Yeah, if Blake were to go down, knock on wood, uh, I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel like super ecstatic about it. But if Kessler had to come in, it wouldn't. I f- almost feel better about Kessler coming in than Henny at this point. Even though Henny's more polished and knows the game better, I feel like Kessler. I feel like has a higher upside at this point in his career than Henny did when he was on the team. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Because like, compared to Henny, like Henny, there were issues, not necessarily with turnovers, but like decision making at times. And I don't think we really get that out of Kessler. It's not that he makes like these great decisions, but I think he just really limits poor decisions. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do anything flashy either. And I think that could be a strong reason as to why there aren't many mistakes is because he just kind of plays it safe. But like, that's not a bad thing, especially out of your backup. Yeah, Especially in the way they're running this offense. Granted, he he played a limited amount of games in 2016 uh, for the Browns, the one-win Browns. Um, <laughs> but in those games, he actually looked fairly solid for a little bit there. He looked like he might be the quarterback in uh, Cleveland, uh, posting 1,300, almost 1,400 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 92 quarterback rating and a 65% completion rating. In those games, I'm not exactly sure how many games that was. Uh, I know he has. 12. He got a decent. He had a decent amount of time during the season. He has 12 I career it... games. Uh, in 2016, he played. He started eight. So in eight games, 1,400 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions. Which, that's the stats for the touchdowns, interceptions isn't necessarily high, but given what was around him. <laughs> It's it's pretty amazing that the turnovers weren't higher and the touchdowns were lower. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, it was the one-win team. So that's pretty solid numbers for a quarterback on a one-win team. Um, but that should move us on to the rest of the offense. Um, we were specifically looking at receivers, uh, backup tight end, and right guard. Uh, we'll just move it down the line with receivers. Um I'd say the locks at the receiver position are obviously Lee, Moncrief, Cole, Westbrook, and Chark. Those those five will definitely make the roster. So I'm curious if they'll even end up carrying a sixth. They have options to carry a sixth receiver. I think they might. Uh, they are shorter on running backs this year. It's looking like they might only carry three running backs, so this gives them the room to carry a sixth receiver. Mm-hmm. In which case, we had the list kind of trimmed down to... Alan Lazard, the undrafted receiver, 6'5", 200, what, like 20, 30 pounds out of Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Red zone target, big red zone target. Not not a quick, shifty receiver at all, but a red zone target for sure. Um, Rashad Green, who was flashing during OTAs and minicamp, um, unlike previous years where he was doing the opposite of flashing. Um, Shane Wynn, a fan favorite, been around for about two years, the little 5'6 receiver, former Indiana Hoosier. Also has, um, like Green, and also like the next guy we're going to talk about, kickoff, uh, no, kick return, punt return. Um, he can do both of those. Uh, much like Green and much like Jadon Mickens, who won the punt return role last year, uh, about the middle of the year, um, had two punt return touchdowns throughout the year. Uh, all those guys, those three, they, they're short, fast receivers, um, guys you can play in the slot, and guys you can have returning kicks and punts. Lazard is different from the rest of those guys. While he's completely inexperienced, he does offer a different type of way to change the game, that being in the red zone. So, Chris, where do you stand on that? And if they even keep a sixth receiver, who do you think it would be? Well, if you're going off initial reports, Kay was reporting that Green had been had been performing pretty well in Phase 2 of the offseason. So right now, if I were to say if there was a favorite right now to take that spot, I would say Green. Uh, if I had a personal preference, I would almost say Mickens because 
Uh, towards the end of the season, he was able to produce decently well as that basically last wide receiver on the roster. But his return game was pretty good last year. Uh, he had a few chances where he was one guy away from having several touchdowns on the season. And I'm not comparing his talent at all to Devin Hester, who is likely going to be, eh, he might be a Hall of Famer, I don't know. Uh, his receiving stats weren't great through his career, but if you're mm-hmm. a good enough returner, you can make a roster like Hester did. And I feel like Mickens should at least deserve a fair shot to the team for his returning ability uh, based on that alone. And then if you're just going for different than, like you said, Lazar, uh, Alan Lazard, uh, 6'5", huge guy, uh, like you said, red zone target. Uh, so you really have a lot of ways to go because then Shane Wynn's kind of in there, the shortest of the bunch, and he has been on the team for the last few seasons now, so he kind of has that familiarity with the system, with the coaching staff, so that might give him an advantage uh, going into this final spot. Yeah, I. that's the thing is that you could either pick one of those three punt return type of guys who can also play the slot and be fine and designate them more so to special teams and probably end up do it, being just fine. Not missing a guy like Lazard as much because you've got a DJ Chark who's 6'3", 200 pounds and can go up and adjust to balls correctly. But at the same time, like... You don't have that six five like freak unless you're looking at the tight end position in ASJ. So even though Lazard is, you know, the least experienced of the group, you figure that if he can have a good camp and outperform these other guys, they'll they can look at it and say, Okay, well we've gone and gotten a lot of different special teamers. We've got DD Westbrook who can also return punts, DJ Chark who can also return punts. Uh, Marquise Lee has returned punts in the past. So you've got a lot of guys just at the receiver position alone that can do that. Um, you've signed special teamers like Niles Paul, like uh, Don Carey, like Cody Davis to play bigger special teams roles. You you might be set there, in which case you could take a flyer on a guy like Alan Lazard to truly have that dynamic 6-5, like go get the ball type of receiver in the red zone, much like what, you know, they use, albeit all over the field, in Allen Robinson, a guy that you can trust just throwing the ball up and thinking, well, he's got the size. He can come down with it more likely than not. So you pair that with ASJ in the red zone, I think it's a little hard to, you know, as Blake, as long as Blake can put up an accurate fade ball, I think you can really continue to, you know, see Blake do well in the red zone with guys like that. So I think if Lazard performs well enough in camp he can beat out those other guys i think it'll be interesting to see him in camp this week finally see him in person and see just how he performs because last year we were able to see the emergence of keelan cole who really uh won himself that roster spot through some really strong training camp uh and preseason he had a long touchdown against the patriots uh in last year's preseason but really uh the emergence of keelan cole on just those long uh those long routes, those he made a lot of really good catches, which kind of made some good highlight videos to really get his name going. So, mm-hmm. if uh, Allen can have a a training camp and preseason similar to Cole, that might be his way of making it onto the roster. Then that should move us over to tight ends. Um, the room has seen a shakeup. Mercedes Lewis is no longer in Jacksonville. He is now a Green Bay Packer. Um, replacing him as the team's number one tight end will be Austin Safarian Jenkins, who they signed away from the Jets 
this offseason. Um, he's really hopeful to have a breakout year. He has the story of a couple of DUIs in the past, um, just kind of a troubled off-the-field life that he seems to have cleaned up. And people are already considering like him to be a fan favorite. Like people are really hopeful that he can put things together here. So best wishes to him. We really hope that he does well and that he can add a new element to this offense. But behind him, you know, they've got the Ben Koyax of the world, still, who's still on the roster. I think he's entering what his fourth year with the team. Mm-hmm. Ben Koyak, uh, James O'Shaughnessy, who the team claimed last year from New England near the end of the preseason. Um, he served a little bit of a role as like a short field tight end on third sit down situations, not in every down tight end at all, but you have him in in two tight end sets and you can convert for you. Um, Greenwich, uh, who was just placed on the pup list. Um, that might be it. Is there anyone else that I'm missing? Well, I, I'm just going to kind of lead off here. I would say that there's probably two locks at this point to make the tight end position. Uh, that being ASJ and Niles Paul, who they signed. Niles Paul. Niles Paul, agency. yeah. I think Niles Paul and ASJ are locks at this point. Uh, Paul's being signed for his special teams ability, but also I think they I think he might be used in the game or in the uh, passing game a little more. He was flashy with the Redskins. Uh, they might give him a chance to kind of flourish a little more, but I definitely think those two. I think it's down to Koyak or O'Shaughnessy at this point. And I honestly have no idea who's going to win between those two because I feel like O'Shaughnessy was kind of utilized a little more last year, but they've held on to Koyak for so long, there must be something that they're really hoping to get out of him. Well, I think they like Koyak's ability to block as well, and I think that's gone really you know, underrated. But he's in in two tight end sets when they're running the ball, and like that's probably what's kept him around because his receiving game definitely mm-hmm. shouldn't be the reason if they're even considering that to be the reason. Yeah. I mean, last year, there was only one time, like off the top of my head, that I can remember him being used as a receiver, and that was in the Bills playoff game. So I don't remember anything else from like 16 other games where he was utilized there. So it'll be, it'll be fun to see. Um, Paul, if I remember correctly, was also a pretty decent blocker. Um, but he also has a career... Uh, 68 career receptions, over 800 yards receiving, uh, a couple of touchdowns. So he could be a guy that, you know, if they're looking to have a competition in like the short game battle, it could be maybe between him and O'Shaughnessy. Keep him and then Koyak for his blocking ability. Yeah, uh, that's that's basically the entire argument that I was going to say. Uh, Koyak did, he was the playoff hero against the Bills last year. Uh, which mm-hmm. I guess kind of helps his resume a little bit going into this year. He could kind of put that at the top of his list for why he's valuable. Right. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like this is probably one of the lesser important battles going into the season. Right. Because I think your primary two people are going to be Paul and ASJ at this point. Well, one of the more important battles, we'll move right on before we move to the defensive side, is right guard. That's the weak link on the offensive line, without a doubt. Like the, there, there will be a battle there. AJ Can, who missed a lot of time during OTAs and minicamp, would normally be the incumbent starter, but he's been so inconsistent in his time in Jacksonville. I think this year will be his last. Um, battling out with him during um, during phase two was Josh Walker, former Green Bay Packer. Um, I think the team kept him around last year. Um, 
kind of a backup guy, depth guy. So apparently he, he was impressive, as impressive as you can be um, during OTAs and minicamp because he had a couple of storylines, uh, even from Pro Football Talk, picked up on that, um, talking about how he could be battling with Can. Um, the only other name I can really think of that would be a p- potential battle at that position would be Will Richardson, the fourth round pick it's looking more and more likely like he'll just be the swing tackle this year and the right tackle of the future but they could throw him in there um he said after the draft that he's willing to do pretty much anything along the offensive line so who are you thinking will end up winning this battle because this is an important one i think they'll probably end up just starting can i think they're just gonna roll with what they had uh if can struggles then Walker could probably come in. I would like to see Richardson get a shot because in his last season uh, with NC State, he set a pro football focus record for highest pass blocking efficiency among Power 5 tackles with a 99.3, which is very good, uh, so good that nobody else has ever done it uh, since PFF has been recording. So I feel like just, I mean, that's just one stat, but he allowed fewer than 10 total quarterback pressures on over 400 uh, pass-blocking snaps. Uh, And that's really, really good. So Mm -hmm. I would like him to at least get a shot out there because I think he could compete for that right guard spot. And maybe in training camp, we'll see. Uh, I'll be keeping an eye on him pretty closely uh, to see where he's kind of being penciled in for the offensive line. Uh, But, yeah, I think it's going to be Can. Walker, Richardson in that order, barring any injuries or uh, bad play from any of them. I'm thinking the exact same thing. Um, I just don't know what Walker really brings to the table because we haven't seen anything from him. Mm-hmm. I would want it. I would want Richardson to get that chance because I think you just put your best five out there and you have four of your five already. So you see if Richardson can be that fifth. But at the end of the day, I'm sure they'll just go with the continuity and put in can and go from there. To be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing Shatley at right guard. Shatley could get some time. I thought thought he played fairly well when he had to be penciled in at guard. When they were running Shatley and Linder, uh, Linder Shatley, they kind of mix-matched that a little bit. Uh, They both performed fairly well. I've always liked Shatley. I think he deserves a role in this team, and I think he should be able to compete for that spot too. And he very well might. And we'll be sure to update everyone as we watch that battle closely on who's getting reps with the first team and how that's panning out. When we come back, we will then switch to the defensive and special team side of the ball. So on defense, very unlike the offense, um, and not that the offense has a bunch of like star-studded storyline battles going on, but I'm pretty sure there's like literally one actual battle going on on the defensive side of the ball, and that's because the defense is obviously the Jaguar strong suit here. Um looking at the Sam linebacker position, which gets like 30 to 40% of the team snaps anyway, because they are a primary nickel team. Nickel is the new base. So that's the real competition people are looking for. I know there's been mentions of the nickel cornerback position potentially being up for battle. I don't think it will be. I think Hayden will be just fine there. I'm sure they want to play him there. But if he really you know, doesn't have a good camp, then that could open up to guys like um Jalen Myrick Tyler Patman but I think that'll be his position on lock um then I guess backup cornerback just keeping it with the corners on who will be there but really the primary one is the Sam linebacker position that could be between Blair Brown Leon Jacobs Donald Payne who was taking Miles Jack's first team reps during OTAs and minicamp while Jack was not on the field so Chris go ahead and start breaking that one down for us 
Uh, yeah, I mean, going right into uh, what the headlines were, again, Mike K saying that Donald Payne, uh, he was make, he was making it seem like Payne was the was taking most of the reps and was playing very well at that spot. Uh, we all know they took Blair Brown last year in last year's draft, uh, and he got a little bit of playing time when Telvin Smith was out with an injury, played in the Seattle game. Uh, they drafted Leon Jacobs this year. I I would say probably it's Payne uh, leading the pack with a decent gap uh, with the other three following him at this point. Uh, Payne has been in the system for, what, two, three years now? I feel like he's been on the team a decent little bit. Payne? Uh, he was signed. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. No, I'm thinking of somebody else. Uh, no, yeah. yeah. Payne, was, Payne was claimed uh, right before the season started yeah. last year. He has, a, he has a year under his belt for sure, and he had playing time too. He was the team's – I think they voted him like special teamer of like something. Yeah. I remember seeing a picture that he had like a ball from the team with like an award for special teams contributions. I think he had 13 tackles on special teams last year. So he I definitely has a role on the team no matter what. I forget who I was – thinking of but yeah uh paints was claimed at the beginning of the season along with uh william poles so, that's it uh like i said i think it's Payne's job to lose at this point for that final linebacker spot i actually am thinking it might be blair brown um Payne certainly has that opportunity at the same time he is kind of fresh at linebacker he played safety at stetson um and then special teams last year he didn't get a ton of snaps last year at linebacker but when he did uh, I think he was filling in a little bit around, like everywhere. Um, Brown, I have always viewed to be a Sam. Always thought he would be. I know the team is looking for length in their Sams, and I think that's why Jacobs got drafted because he's 6'4", 250, long arms. Uh, Blair Brown's 5'11", like 5'11", 220, not, not lengthy whatsoever. But, I mean, if I'm the team, like I'm not looking for just the intangibles at that position because essentially what you want out of that position guy who can stuff the run and also set the edge if uh, if you have him in on passing downs he is more likely to be rushing the passer or setting the edge rather than dropping back into coverage because they do still play the four three under linebacker so he essentially plays the line he is a line of scrimmage guy and brown did that at ohio at the university of ohio he was a true run stuffer he was a guy that could be disruptive along the line despite his size um, so I've always thought that this role, despite you know their them wanting to find a guy who's lengthy, um, I've always thought that he had the strength for the position. <laughs> I remember last year they did like an open questionnaire with Dave Caldwell on Twitter. I sent in one asking if Blair Brown would ever get snaps at Sam, and he said while he thought he had the strengths for it, they were looking. They do want a guy with a bit more size, and that they viewed him more as a Will and Mike. Um, depth guy, and now Sam is up for battle, and Blair Brown is at the center of the attention. So I'm just going to kind of pat myself on the back there a little bit, <laughs> but we'll see. I think that will be an interesting one because people will watch for Payne after his successful off season. Um, and if he doesn't win that job, I certainly think he'll be a big time special team contributor for sure. Mm-hmm. Then we can move it to the back of cornerback role, and then we'll go to the punt return battle, which I guess, spoiler alert, there should be a punt return battle, and that'll pretty much do it for us. But back of corner, um, last year, uh, Tyler Patman was as flashy as you could possibly be in camp. I recorded that he had eight interceptions, Jesus, eight interceptions in, in training camp, 
which was like eight practices. So an interception a day. Um, so, and a lot of it with the first team too. Like he picked off Lake Bortles a lot. I remember that specifically. Um, so I think he'll, as long as he can keep that up, he fills a great depth role. He saw the field sometime last year, uh, more so than Myrick, I'm pretty sure. And he also is a special teams guy, bit of a journeyman, played with Dallas and a couple of other teams beforehand, but I think he's found a role here. Um, Quinton Meeks, the undrafted rookie out of Stanford, has a lot of potential. People thought he was going to get drafted in the middle rounds to late rounds. Kind of shocked to see him go undrafted, but he will likely be battling with um, Jalen Myrick, the second-year guy out of Minnesota. Chris, who do you think makes it? Uh, I think Patman definitely makes it. He played really uh, – when he was on the field, he played very well last year. Uh made a few big plays in the Bills playoff game, forcing a mm-hmm. pass breakup to kind of keep the Buffalo offense from moving into scoring uh, the scoring area of the field. I believe if he would have completed the pass, it would have put him on like R35. So mm-hmm. uh, Meeks, I think it is down to Meeks uh, and uh, Myrick. Uh, Myrick has been in the system for a little bit. Uh, he's played decently well when he's on the field, but he hasn't played a whole lot, so it's not really saying a whole lot. Uh, Meeks, I feel like, has the upside, whereas Myrick kind of has a higher floor at this point, been playing in the NFL, uh, compared to Meeks, who's a rookie. I think that I think they might roll with Meeks, because I think if you put Meeks on the practice squad, he's going to get claimed immediately. So it's almost going to be a, either you play him or you lose him type scenario. So I th- I think they'll go with Meeks. Myrick will probably get picked up. I think either of these guys will get picked up uh, mm-hmm. and won't make it to the practice squad. But I'm going to go with the kind of longer shot and say that Meeks makes this roster. Meeks uh, is a lot bigger than Myrick. He's 6'1", 210, uh, 30, almost 32-inch arms. So he's got some intangibles that kind of match the guys they already have playing outside. So he might be just truly a better fit as an outside cornerback uh, depth guy as well as can get some special teams reps. So curious to see how that goes. Uh, I I was excited when the team signed Meeks after the draft because, like I said, there were a lot of guys who were expecting Meeks to get drafted. So him, as well as Lazard, both guys that bring a lot of potential. People were kind of shocked to see them go undrafted, and the Jaguars landed both of them. So we'll see how those guys play out. And if they can be like the Keelan Cole of last year, making the roster as an undrafted guy. Um, That brings us to our last battle, punt returner. Um, Pretty much all the receivers uh, that I mentioned earlier, there were like five of them that will be battling (laughs) for um, the punt returner spot. Is there anyone else around the roster that we really think will? Because Corey Grant will probably be the kick returner. Yeah, I think Grant has the kick returner spot locked up. Uh, Really, I think it's going to be a battle of whoever makes that last spot, uh, wide receiver, and then Chark. Uh, Chark played punt returner at LSU, and he was pretty good at it. So I think that will give him a chance. I mean, you have D.D. Westbrook, too. So, really, it could be down, uh, depending on who makes the roster, to D.D. Westbrook, Shark, and uh, Green, or Mickens, Shark, and Westbrook. I think those kind of are the three that, or whoever makes that last wide receiver spot, and then those other two will probably who battles it out. Uh, I I think Shark might be one of the leaders at this point. I think they're going to try getting him as many reps as they can. 
uh, this season. Maybe not an offense, but special teams. Because uh, I feel like the Jaguars have a really, their system, they really like to put rookies into the special teams unit first and then work their way into the offense from there if they play well. It's almost right. kind of like an initiation into the team. So I think Shark might have a, I think he might have the best shot if Mickens doesn't make the team. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, people like Mickens a lot. Um, we like him. We had him on the show a couple of months ago. Really cool guy. But at the end of the day, like when you have guys that are to make the roster who can punt return, that being Westbrook and Chark. And like you mentioned with Chark, he was flashy as a punt returner. He had 18 returns for 190 yards and two touchdowns in his senior year at punt returner. So when you have those two guys, it almost makes the three guys that are okay slot receivers, kind of like you can designate them to one spot in the actual offense, and they also have the punt return ability. It kind of makes those guys expendable. Like you've got your two other guys that can already do it. It leaves room for Lazard to really battle his way on being a unique type of receiver that the Jaguars don't really seem to have. So I would go ahead. I'm, I'm thinking Lazard makes the roster as long as he has a fine training camp and that it comes down to Chark or Westbrook. Westbrook might not have as big a role in the offense this year as we were originally thinking with the crowded receiver room. Like you said before the show, it could very well be that Westbrook ends up being the fourth or fifth receiver just based on who they have ahead of him after paying Lee, Moncrief, drafting Chark, Keelan Cole really exploding onto the scene. But there should be a role for all of them. But being that Westbrook might just have the short end of the stick. He really could get a lot of reps as the punt returner. So I'm thinking it will be Westbrook. I mean, if you want a hot take, I I don't think Westbrook will be on the team come the end of the season. Oh, yikes. Whether (laughs) I think he probably would be traded. I don't think they'll cut him, but I think he could be traded if all the other receivers on the roster are stepping up. We'll certainly see. Um I don't know how I feel about that because I think Moncrief might be a one-year rental, um, in which case there would be a role for Westbrook to really grow in as the year goes on. Because he was, he did have a short rookie year. He only played in seven games in the regular season. Um, I, this gives him a full off season to really go like put his best foot forward. If he needs to contribute as a pump returner, so be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see, though. That, that, that's, that's certainly a hot take. Um, and if you want more of those hot takes, be sure to throw uh, Misto Christofo, Chris Thornton, a follow on Twitter, as well as myself at Zach underscore Goodall and the Locked On Jaguars page at Locked On Jaguars. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you can find podcasts. We are there. And throw LockedOnJaguars.com a bookmark as we get ready to bring you the best training camp coverage the Jaguars will get this offseason.